This is program C, 758. And we are looking at the year 20 BC, when Herod was the third most powerful person in the Roman Empire and had accomplished already so much that he well deserved the title, The Great, that we often hear him described by. A couple of years before this, he had the Great Jerusalem Games uh, in honor of Augustus. And he had greatly uh, beautified the city of Jerusalem to prepare for the incoming of all of these people from around the empire for these games. He had built a stadium, he had built a theater, he had built a hippodrome, he had built all the infrastructure that would be needed for all the visitors that were going to come. And this made Jerusalem probably the most modern city on the face of the earth at that time. Most of the work uh, had been done by Herod uh, since he became king uh, only a few years earlier. In the early part of 20 BC, Augustus himself came to visit Herod and to see all of his beautiful kingdom and to give him even more responsibility uh, than what he already had. Uh, so Herod was at the top of his world. Uh, he lowered taxes by a third and tried to get the people to really love him. In 20 BC, Herod had been king of the Jews at Jerusalem for about 18 years. He was 53 years of age, so he probably understood that he did not have forever left in this world. So he wants to leave a great legacy. And he chooses the thing that became probably one of his greatest legacies that we're all aware of. And that is the complete renovation of the temple building built by Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest when they came back from Babylonian exile uh, in the 6th century BC. Josephus records King Herod's appeal to the Jewish public to allow him to do this project. And this is what he said. I think I need not speak to you, my countrymen, about such other works as I have done since I am come to the kingdom, although I may say they've been performed in such a manner as to bring more security to you than glory to myself. For I have neither been negligent in the most difficult times about what tended to ease your necessities, nor have the buildings I have made been so proper uh, to preserve me as yourselves from injuries. And I imagine that with God's assistance, I have advanced the nation of the Jews to a degree of happiness which they never had before. Now I'm going to break in 
to his comments there and say that's political. Because the Solomonic kingdom was the climax of Jewish culture. There's just no doubt about that. Uh, at the time that the first temple was dedicated, the Jewish kingdom was at its height, and it had so much wealth and revenue uh, that even Herod couldn't have held a candle to that kingdom. But we understand he's a politician. He's speaking to people that never lived back in that time period. And that time period is long in the past. So from their perspective, many of them pretty well traveled probably because thanks to the Romans uh, being involved in the culture of the Middle East, many people were able to travel to other parts of the, Med of the Mediterranean uh, world and see what things were like elsewhere. So they knew as Herod spoke to them that what he said was true. Jerusalem in particular, but the Judean kingdom itself, the, the kingdom of Herod, was the best place in the empire, possibly even better than Rome itself, because Rome uh, was an older city that had gone through some recent civil unrest. Uh, so back to his words now. Uh, I have advanced the nation of the Jews to a degree of happiness, which they never had before, and for the particular edifices belonging to your own country and to your own cities, as also to those cities that we have lately acquired, which we have erected and greatly adorned, and thereby augmented the dignity of your nation. It seems to me a needless task to enumerate them to you, since you know well them yourselves, but... As to that undertaking which I have in mind to set about at present, and which we will, uh, which will be a work of the greatest piety and excellence that can possibly be undertaken by us, I will now declare it to you. Our fathers, let me break in. I want you to notice Herod thinks of himself as a Jew. He is ethnically, genetically an Idumean, an Edomite. But his great, probably great, double great, grandfather converted to Judaism. And his grandfather and his father raised him as a Jew. So he thinks of himself as a Jew. And that's how he speaks. Our fathers indeed, when they were returned from Babylon, built this temple to God Almighty. Yet does it want 60 cubits of its largeness in altitude. Now that needs to be explained here. When Solomon's temple stood, um, the shrine building itself, that is the Holy of Holies, and then the holy place in front of that, uh, that shrine building was 60 cubits tall, or 90 feet, all right? But on the front of that temple building, there was this huge porch or tower that shot up to 120 cubits or 180 feet. When 
the Persians gave permission for Zerubbabel and Joshua to go back and rebuild a temple, they only authorized the 60-cubit-high shrine building. And so what Herod is saying here is this temple lacks the front tower that should have been there, that would have been 60 cubits taller than what is standing here right now. And I think he must have been near the temple when he's making this speech. So he's, he's wanting to correct the deficiency. All right, back to his words. For so much did that first temple which Solomon built exceed this temple. That is, it was 60 cubits taller. Nor let anyone condemn our fathers for their negligence or want of piety therein. Uh, for it was not their fault that the temple was no higher. For they were Cyrus and Darius, the son of Histapes, who determined the measures for its rebuilding. And that's true. Uh, the official decrees gave the dimensions that the Jewish people were allowed to rebuild. Back to Herod. And it has been by reason of the subjection of those fathers of ours to them and to their posterity, posterity, and after them to the Macedonians, that they had not the opportunity to follow the original model of this pious edifice, nor could raise it to its ancient altitude. But since I am now by God's will your governor, and I have had peace a long time and have gained great riches and large revenues. And by the way, he is not kidding about that. I've, I've shared with you before. He was declared a Roman citizen when he was a kid. His family was granted immunity to any taxes. So he has never paid a bit of taxes in his entire adult life. So every single denarius that's crossed his palm, every single denarius that's come into his coffers has been his to use in order to gain even more. He's never had to pay the government anything. So he is one of the wealthiest men in the Roman Empire. Remember, he's the most, he's third most powerful man. Why wouldn't he probably also be among the top three most wealthy men in the empire. Okay, so uh, back to his words. Um, uh, and I've had peace a long time, have gained great riches and large revenues, and what is the principal thing of all, I am at amity with and well regarded by the Romans, who, if I may say so, are the rulers of the whole world. I will do my endeavor to correct that imperfection which has arisen from the necessity of our affairs and the slavery we've been under formerly, and to make a thankful return after the most pious manner to God for what blessings I have received from him by giving me this kingdom and that by rendering his temple as complete as I am able. So his comment is, I have got the money, the resources, the influence, the power, the respect of the Romans to make this temple much more glorious. Please let me do it. Now, according to Josephus, the people who heard this address were skeptical. Uh, they were not sure that Herod could pull off 
such a feat because, I mean, it's a big thing. But um, he allayed their fears by making some very vigorous preparations for the project. And he promised them that he would not even begin renovation of the shrine building until he had the supplies on hand and the trained worker priests that would be needed to finish it rapidly. Uh, because you see, the Holy of Holies and Holy Place can only be touched on the inside by priests. So Herod is going to have to have priests that can do the fine work that needs to be done. So he's got to get them trained. Uh, here's some more of Josephus's uh, quotations from the interaction between Herod and the people. This was the speech which Herod made to them, but still this speech frightened many of the people as being unexpected by them, and because it seemed incredible. It did not encourage them, but put a damp upon them, for they were afraid that he would pull down the whole edifice and not be able to bring his intentions to perfection for its rebuilding. And this danger appeared to them to be very great, and the vastness of the undertaking to be such as could hardly be accomplished. But while they were in this disposition, the king encouraged them, told them he would not pull down their temple till all things were gotten together, uh, ready for building it entirely up again. And as he promised them beforehand, so he did not break his word to them. And he got ready a thousand wagons that were to bring stones for the building and chose out 10,000 of the most skillful workmen and brought, uh, bought a thousand sacerdotal garments, that's priestly garments, uh, for many of the priests and had some of them taught the art of stone cutters and others of carpenters. And they began to gild and this not till everything was well prepared for the work. Uh, so he does convince them. See, I've got all the stuff on hand already. See, I've got all the materials. And he put a whole bunch of the priests through a crash course in how to do stoneworking and masonry, all the stuff that would be needed. And everybody apparently was convinced, I think he can do this. So they started probably right around the beginning of the year in 19 BC, although it might have started in the winter months of 1819. Um, Josephus goes on to describe the massive stones uh, that are used in this project, and I want to go over those numbers with you right now. Um, the, the stones, many of them measured and this is in cubits first, 25 by 8 by 12. Now that's in cubits. Let's go ahead and put that in feet. 37 and a half feet long, 12 feet high, and 18 feet deep. That is a massive stone. Can you understand now why when the uh, apostles were talking to Jesus about the temple and said, oh, look at these great stones, these huge stones. They were not kidding. They were massive. And they had a special look to them. Uh, it's a Herodian uh, style that puts like a frame around uh, the face of the stone. It's very unique. And uh, I saw it when I went to Israel. Uh, you can tell 
where Herodian stones are located because of that uh, facing. But the majority of the stones that Josephus was talking about in the temple proper, well, they were all torn down. They were all crashed off of the temple mount, uh, and none of them were left. Uh, so we can't verify his numbers of those stones. However, archaeologists have got other stones that they can look to from this time period, the stones that are in the retaining wall of the Temple Mount. Because what Herod did was he broadened the top of the mountain. Uh, I think he added like 600-some feet to the south, and probably about half that to the west. And, of course, all that fill dirt has to be held up by retaining walls. So those retaining walls are still there. You see it on the news from time to time, at least part of it, because what's referred to as the Wailing Wall, more properly it's the western retaining wall of the Temple Mount, that's Herodian. The base of it is Herodian. I was there. I saw it up close and personal. I touched uh, the stones, and they are pretty good sized. But you can go into a tunnel system that goes to the north of the western wall that's exposed, and you can find even bigger stones. In fact, the largest stone found to date is there in those rabbinical tunnels. I saw the big stone myself, touched it. It was amazing. Here's its measurements. Uh, it is, I'm going to give it in feet, okay, 42 feet long. It's 11 feet tall, and it's 14 feet wide or deep. And those are very close to the dimensions that we heard from uh, Josephus about the stones that were above ground. That single stone weighed approximately, because they don't know, they can't put it on a scale, uh, they're estimating that it must weigh somewhere in the neighborhood of 660 tons. Now think about that. The stones in the Great Pyramid, which some people are like, oh, I can't believe that human beings could put those stones in place. It must have been aliens. It, it must have been giants. It must have been uh, something supernatural in order to put all those, those pyramid stones in place because they're huge. Well, guess what? Those stones typically weigh 80 tons. Herod was moving stones that were in the 600-ton range. All right? So that should give you an appreciation, again, for why Herod is referred to as Herod the Great. Uh, now, Josephus mentions some spectacular artistic touches uh, that end up adorning this new shrine facade, the front part of the building itself. And it's, this is what he says. Uh, this is from Antiquities. Um, no, this is not from Antiquities. This is, oh yes, this one is first. First we go from Antiquities 15, and then we'll go from Wars 5. Uh, so first part, the temple had doors also at the entrance and lintels over them of the same height with the temple itself. They were adorned with embroidered veils, with their flowers of purple and pillars interwoven, and over these, but under the crown work, 
was spread out a golden vine with its branches hanging down from a great height, the largeness and fine workmanship of which was a surprising sight to the spectators, to see what vast materials there were and with what great skill the workmanship was done. So we've got apparently this huge doorway that's in this front tower uh, so that you could see into the shrine building. And uh, in front of the top of this door is this, uh, this golden grapevine with the one cluster of grapes being the same height as a human being. So let's say about six feet tall. And so this would have been an amazing thing to see uh, at the front of this temple building. Uh, now, the wars, uh, Josephus gives some dimensions. He says, the height extended all along to 90 cubits, or 135 feet in height. Uh, and its length was 50 cubits, or 75 feet. Its breadth was 20 cubits, or 30 feet. But that gate, which was at this end of the front first part of the house, was as we've already observed, all over covered with gold, as was its whole wall about it. It was all of golden vines above it, from which clusters of grapes hung as tall as a man's height. Uh, so he basically brings the shrine building up to about 120 feet. And I believe he still put a tower in front of it that would have been as tall uh, as the uh, Solomonic Tower. Uh, so the temple building was an amazing, amazing thing. Um, the temple was finished sometime in 18 BC, and everybody was excited by it. Uh, here is a report uh, from Antiquities 15, uh, chapter 11, section 6. Uh, the temple itself was built by the priests in a year and six months. Now, this is the shrine building. The, everything else, the courtyard and everything that's outside of the shrine building, it's still being worked on uh, later. But the shrine building was the number one job. So, upon which all the people were full of joy, and presently they returned thanks in the first place to God. And in the next place, for the alacrity the king had shown. They feasted and celebrated this rebuilding of the temple. And for the king, he sacrificed 300 oxen to God, as did the rest, everyone according to his ability. The number of which sacrifices is not possible to set down, for it cannot be that we should truly relate it. For at the same time with this celebration for the work about the temple fell also the day of the king's inauguration, which he kept of an old custom as a festival, and is now coincided with the other, which coincidence of them both made the festival most illustrious. And so everybody's excited in 18 BC that they've got this glorious temple building, this amazing temple building, thanks to King Herod. And this does make him a much more sympathetic character uh, in their hearts, uh, at least for all but the most radically religious Jews. Uh, the timing of this project is actually mentioned uh, 
in John chapter 2, verse 20, uh, which took place at Passover in AD 30, where Jesus is being hassled for cleansing the temple in that uh, Passover. And uh, he says, uh, tear down this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up again. And they said, ah, this temple has been built here for 46 years. And so we know that that matches exactly uh, an 18 BC start date or finish date for uh, the temple shrine building. Um, now, that's not the only big work that Herod engages in. Uh, he also refurbishes the citadel tower that was immediately to the north of the temple complex, and he renames it after his deceased friend, Mark Anthony. And here's what Josephus says on that. Now, on the north side of the temple was built a citadel whose walls were square and strong and of extraordinary firmness. The citadel was built by the kings of the Hasmonean race, who were also high priests before Herod. And it, they called it the tower, in which was reposited the vestments of the high priest, uh, which the high priest only put on at the time when he was to offer sacrifice. These vestments King Herod kept in that place, and after his death they were under the power of the Romans until the time of Tiberius Caesar. They were kept under the seal of the high priest and of the treasurers of the temple, uh, which treasurers uh, the day before a festival went up to the Roman captain of the temple guards and viewed their own seal, received the vestments, and again, when the festival was over, they brought it to the same place, showed the captain of the temple guard their seal, which corresponded with his seal, and reposited them there. But for the tower itself, when Herod, the king of the Jews, had fortified it more firmly than before, he, in order to uh, secure it and guard the temple, he granted, or he gratified Antonius, who was his friend and the Roman ruler, and gave it the name, the Tower of Antonia. And so the Tower of Antonia is more than likely the place where Pontius Pilate was when he put Jesus on trial. The Tower of Antonia is also more than likely the place that the Apostle Paul was taken after he was arrested at the riot and where he may have stayed uh, for the time before he was moved to Caesarea on the coast. Uh, so that building was totally renovated by King Herod at the same time that he renovated the temple. There's nothing left of that building. It was all torn down uh, during the time of the uh, rebellion of the Jews in uh, 70 AD. Well, we will continue talking more about Herod and how he became the great the next time we get into God's Word.